Following on from Easter, we've been working through our nine-week series on Luke chapter 15, where we've been looking at these three parables of Jesus and seeking to understand what they might convey to us of our Heavenly Father. Because whilst the temptation is to focus on the lost coin or the sheep or the rebellious younger son, the true central character throughout is God, portrayed as the Father in the third parable. We've seen that Father God is prodigal himself. We've used that a number of times this morning. That he is extravagant in his love. He is patient, compassionate, forgiving. And along the way, we've paused to wonder, can we still hold such a view of God in our broken world? And we've paused to see what Jesus might have been saying to the elder brother, that he too has an invitation to come home to Father God. The idea of coming home, of returning, is central to all three parables because to know that we belong somewhere has a profound impact upon us, does it not? I wonder if you would turn to your neighbour in a moment and for one minute share with them something serious or something silly that helps you to know that you belong, maybe to your family or to a friendship group. For example, when I come home from a busy day, those do happen outside of a Sunday as well. I don't just work one day a week. And when I walk in that door and hope comes and gives me a big hug, then I know I'm home. I belong. So turn to your neighbor and for one minute, what is a serious thing or a silly thing that helps you know that you belong? And if you see someone sitting on their own, please do take the time to go and chat to them for a minute. So over to you. Okay, so now you know their name, you know something either serious or silly about them, so I'm really giving you a starter for 10 over coffee, so please do carry those conversations on. In the parable of the prodigal father, the younger son has come, has left home, he has rebelled, disgracing his father because he thought true life would be found elsewhere. But things don't work out as he plans and in time he comes to his senses and returns home to the father. And as we saw in earlier weeks, the father has been waiting and watching. He has been waiting to see his son come and I have no idea why this is not catching up. There we go. And he, he is filled with compassion when he sees his son coming over the horizon and he can't help himself. He just has to run and embrace his youngest child once more. And in the midst of that initial welcome, we read these words of the father. Oh, come on. The father said to his servants, quick, 
Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. We've said throughout the series that knowing the culture, knowing the context can help us understand what Jesus is seeking to convey here. So what is this chat about a robe and about a ring? Well, the father asked for the best robe, which would have been the father's own robe. He would have been head of the family and so entitled to the best robe. And it would have been a long flowing gown, a very special garment reserved for unique occasions such as festivals. It was a sign of honour and favour. And yet the father gives it to this son. This son who would have been living off of the pig feed in that far distant land. Who would be in an unkempt condition. And so dirty and smelly that one poet wrote that the younger son was the boy who had gone from being affluent to effluent. It is to this son that the father gives his best robe. So what's going on here? What does the father seek to convey? Well, what we have here is a great exchange. The son's shame is being covered by the father's honor. The robe is a sign of the father saying, I have forgiven him completely. I am wiping the slate clean. This boy is totally pardoned. In this, Jesus conveys the means and scope of forgiveness, which has always been at the heart of the Christian faith. A means and scope which shocks us sometimes. Shocks many people. In fact, it shocked one individual in the 16th century, a man called Martin Luther. You'll have heard of him. Maybe he was a great church leader at the time. And he wrestled with this idea that his life was imperfect and that he felt distant from God. And Luther increasingly struggled with with that and the implications for his life. And then what that would mean beyond the grave. Just turn it off, Neil. But eventually, Luther, by God's help, came to understand the Scriptures afresh. That a healthy, whole, positive relationship with God, a relationship which the Bible describes as being righteous, of being in right standing with God, that kind of relationship is offered to one and all by a great exchange. A great exchange provided for us by Jesus. That on the cross, Jesus faced the justice of God so that we might only know the Father's delight in us. That on the cross, Jesus, the perfect Son of God, was rejected by His Father, by Father God, so that we could be brought in to the family as sons and daughters. I remember when I became a Christian, someone explained it to me like this, that Jesus is like my open palm here. Nothing blocks him and Father God. He's perfect. He's righteous. He's in right standing. And Father God delights in him fully. And we're like this other hand. But because of our rejection of God and his ways, what the Bible calls sin, that's like this black book on, now on my palm. It creates a division between us and God. And it's a big black mark over us. And because of that, our 
relationship with God is not only marred, it is completely broken. God still loves us. He still loves us, but He can't delight in us because of this. And that big black mark is going to affect our lives both now and for all eternity. But on the cross, a great exchange takes place. Jesus willingly takes our black book, our sin, our rebellion upon Himself breaking his relationship with God and facing the eternal consequences for our sin in his own body and soul. And the effect is that we gain what Jesus once had. We gain that perfect relationship with God. We gain the full delight of Father God. We gain the eternal hope and welcome from God into his family. The prophet Isaiah described it this way in Isaiah 61, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for He has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. In the early 16th century, Martin Luther came to own that great exchange for himself. He put his trust in Jesus and came in to a new relationship with Father God, where fear was gone and joy came in its place, for for he knew God had pardoned him. And covered his shame with the best robe of all, the robe of God. And I don't know what you make of that. I know we have a number of visitors with us. And I wonder if you're thinking, well, Scott, I got invited here today by a friend. And uh, I thought it was supposed to be a weekend of invitation and welcome. And right now, this talk about sin is a little bit weird and uncomfortable. And I'm perfectly aware that God is a judge and I don't need you to judge me. You might be feeling that. I felt like that myself. I can resonate with that feeling if that's where you're at. But the reason I started with this and had to start with this is because of what comes next in the story. We read in those very same verses from Luke 15. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Rings feature in many stories inside and out of the Bible across so many cultures, for a ring is a powerful and enduring item. In this small and simple form, a great deal of meaning can be communicated, can it not? In the story of the prodigal father, the ring speaks of the rebel being restored as a son. The ring would have been like a family signet ring, signifying a child's position in the great family. And giving this ring... The father was saying that this rebellious child was restored as a son. The father was saying he was accepted again. The father accepted his youngest child back into the family. He was in effect adopting this rebellious child back in. And through that adoption, the father was opening the way for his child to know a wonderful new life and future rather than a future consigned as a slave or to the pigsty. Jesus himself said these words in John 10, verse 10. I have come in order that you might have life, life in all its fullness. That is the purpose of Jesus. That is his heartbeat. That is the goal behind his teaching. That is the reason for his death on the cross, that you and I could have life in all its fullness. But do we know this? 
Not only in our heads, but in our lives. Do we know this? We might know that Father God sent Jesus to die in our place, to secure our forgiveness, to give us that new robe. And so we know that Father God is like a judge. And often that's what people mostly think of God. Jesus paid the penalty so that we might have life beyond death. And that's good news. But it can seem a bit remote and distant. Something to think about neither the time or on sad occasions. But is that all that Jesus meant in those verses from John 10 when he says, I've come to give you life in all its fullness? Is that all he meant? Is Jesus simply our get into heaven ticket? Or is there something more to being adopted sons and daughters of the creator of all things? If I asked you to turn to your neighbor again, and I won't, but if I did... How would you answer that question? If you can't answer that question, or you were unsure how to answer that question, if you're waiting for me to answer, provide the answer, maybe it suggests that whilst we know God as judge and hopefully Savior, maybe we don't know Him very well as Father. Indeed, Martin Luther struggled to know God as Father. When praying the Lord's Prayer, he struggled with those opening words, Our Father. Because in his head, it was wrapped up in a picture of a hard, unyielding, relentless individual. But as we've seen in Luke 15, there is a very different picture here of Father God. And a very different understanding of what it means to be adopted by him. Imagine with me, if you will, the story continued. Jesus leaves it on a bit of a cliffhanger, but imagine with me it continued on. And imagine the younger son, he returns home, he he gets the robe, he gets the ring, he joins in that big celebration that they're having. But very quickly, he settles into a different way of life, where he watches his step, he toes the line, that he stays to his quarters. He adopts a quiet, reserved life because that's what he thinks he should do. That's what it means to be home with the Father. And he doesn't do anything much really with that pardon and position of a true son. What do you think the Father would feel? Do you think the Father would feel that the youngest son had entered into the full life symbolized by the robe and the ring? I doubt it. I doubt it. Wouldn't you be crestfallen just like the Father? Here is this Son He has rescued, who has been forgiven and restored. Here is the Son who was given pardon and position so that the path in front of Him might lead to a full life, one of meaning and purpose and joy. Yet here is the Son being a nice boy, but a bit of a boring one. A good son, but with the life gutted out of him. I think the father would be heartbroken to see his son misunderstand or underappreciate all that has been given to him by his father. The younger son has been pardoned through a robe and given position through a ring. He has been accepted and adopted by the father so that as a son... He can come into fullness of life, not live a tame and boring one. 
And you know what? I wonder if Father God ever feels like that with us. I wonder if he feels bamboozled by what we've done with the Christian faith. Jesus came to give us life in all its fullness, but then we reduce it down to a life of being nice and religious. That the religious, the life of faith is just having Jesus as our ticket into heaven. Rather than understanding the life of faith as an invitation to an adventure with Jesus. Our video that we watched with the children speaks of that. That God is on an adoption adventure. Accepting and adopting us into his family. And then involving us in his plans and purposes. Plans and purposes full of adventure and joy and life. And he invites us to be part of that. Part of changing this world. Friends, if this is not evident in our own lives. If Jesus is just that ticket to heaven. If all we do is turn up on a Sunday and the rest of the week, that's our time and not God's. Well, maybe it suggests we haven't got a full enough picture of God. Maybe we know him as judge and savior, which he is. But maybe we don't really know him as father. We know we're forgiven, but we don't really know what it means to be adopted by God and to have him as our heavenly father. That we are accepted. We not only need to know that Father God closes with a rope, we need to know that he gives us a ring as well. But here's the thing. It's a two-part deal. You don't get the ring without getting the robe first. You don't get position without pardon. You don't get adoption and acceptance without forgiveness. So you can't know this incredible life Jesus wants to give you, life in all its fullness, if you don't know Jesus. And that's why we began with a focus on the cross, that great exchange. If you want to be part of God's great adventure in the world, you need to share in that great exchange for yourself first. And if you're not sure you're there yet, but you want to know more, come speak to me after the service or start coming around church a bit more often. And hopefully one way or another, you'll come to know the Father draping you with his robe. But if you know you've shared in that great adventure, if you know you are a Christian, can I ask you, as an adopted child of God, are you sharing the great adventure? Are you sharing the great adventure? Or have you tamed the life of faith to something that is comfortable, something familiar, but something less than God wanted for you? If that is you, and it can come upon us at any stage in the journey of faith. But if that is you, then maybe it's time for you to become reacquainted with the heart of Father God. One of the best ways you can do that is to be in the Scriptures, talking with the Father about what you read and listening to what He might say to you. But a number of years ago, to help people grasp something of the heart of God, someone took many of the promises of God from the Bible and crafted them into what became known as the Father's Love Letter. A video of that has now been made, and we're going to play it, thankfully from the computer rather than my iPad. And as we listen to it, 
May the words reach deep into our souls and reveal something of our Heavenly Father and what it means to be His child. Good <coughs> to you, Neil. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you were my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you. You are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father and I love you even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. 
I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love, your dad, Almighty God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your words. Thank you that you have revealed your heart to us. You've revealed how greatly you love each of us and how you want us to come home to you like that younger son. You want to welcome us home. You want to clothe us in your robe of righteousness and give us that ring, signifying the position and pardon that we can have in you that invitation to a life in all its fullness. Father, help us to respond to that. Help us to know what this means for each of our own lives. Whether that's a step for the first time towards you, a cracking open of the door to say, I'll maybe give this a bit more thought. Whether it's a coming home to you fully at this time, whether it be a challenge to say, have we limited and reduced these gifts of yours to make the life of faith comfortable and manageable but not really let that full adventure you invite us into. Father, guide us as we part from here to know what it is you've said to us this day in the midst of all the words. For it's your voice we seek, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. On your way out today, our young people will give you a small gift as a token of today's theme to remind us all that we can be accepted by God and that as his accepted and adopted children, the door lies open before us to a life of fullness and adventure.